We have a Fox News alert. We are getting word that at an Illinois 4th of July parade, there was a shooting that erupted. Multiple people are feared dead. We have no confirmation on the number of injuries here, no confirmation on the number who have perished. Hopefully none. Our prayers are with this community. Now back to the Pete McMurray Show. Earlier this week, 4th of July, Highland Park, a suburb of Chicago, another mass shooting, eight reported dead, multiple people shot, the killer in custody. Joining us from Fox News, he's been in Highland Park all week. It is Mike Tobin. Mike, sincerely appreciate your time. How are you, sir? I'm good. I'm actually not happy to talk about this subject, but uh, anything we can do to relay some information to the public in such a tough time. Well, Mike, uh, what we talked about at the top of the show, and I'll ask you now, I know hindsight is twenty twenty. the red flag laws. We discussed this early right. in the show. If you see something, say something. Robert Cremo's family allegedly knew this kid was disturbed. Cops right. were called uh, multiple times but did nothing except help him get a FOID card to buy a gun. Now, it looks like Cremo's dad is trying to distance himself from this. What are your thoughts on this? Well, first of all, my thoughts are every time. I've covered a lot of mass shootings, unfortunately. There was a while where I covered all of them, but frankly, there were just Mm -hmm. too many and I couldn't get to them all. But from Columbine on down, there's a manifesto, there are online postings, there are red flags that go up all over the place. And, And I think particularly with the parents, I don't have kids, but I would think that you just couldn't imagine that the child you brought into the world could do this. But in this case, not only did they know there was a problem, but the police came out. So what was going on in his head when he sponsored, uh, according to state police, sponsored uh, the application for a Floyd permit? I just don't know. Right. You know, you'd, you'd have to trade places with him. But as far as, you know, when you talk about a systematic breakdown, the way the state police described it, when they had those two incidents in 2019, one, he threatened to kill himself, then he threatened to kill everyone else, and they took away all his knives and his sword, ultimately gave him back, but they took away those weapons and then closed the case. So when it came time to review the application for uh, the FOIA permit, well, there was no open case for the red flags to go up. Well, there's your breakdown in the system right there. Right, 100%. Oh you would yeah. think that it should include any case, open or closed, if someone is having these ideations and thoughts. Ugh, it's so... Right, so there was, a, there was a file there, but there was the, the other things just weren't linking and nothing to you know, the poor soul who approved this application was probably looking at an, a, a, a series of paperwork and nothing to link it to the previous case. Mm-hmm. So there you, you get your breakdown of the system right there, and everyone's going to go to retreat to the same debate, but it's pretty obvious the uh, where the hole was in this one. Yeah, Mike, they retreat to the same debate, and we hear it over and over again, but they also retreat to what the laws were at the time when the application was given and then subsequently approved. And I'm not necessarily giving anybody a pass here, but these officials have to work within the confines of the law that is in front of them at the time. So, you know, you know what is paved with good intentions, the road too, that is. So you you find these officials being hamstrung and then moving forward, hopefully these loopholes can be closed tightly. Yeah, hopefully. Hopefully. But this kind of thing just keeps happening again and again. Right. And every time, uh, and frankly, I said this in the early stages of this when, uh, I forget which one of the anchors was asking me, what do you expect as a development? I said, once we learn this guy's identity, we're going to learn pretty quickly that there are warnings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that... In, the, in this case, 
something wrong with a kid. Right. Um, and everybody and, knew, and this is this is the final result, which is horrible. We're talking with Mike Tobin from Fox News. I want you to uh, take us through the breakdown of the eight-hour timeline after the shooting. Did he immediately, I, we know, we've seen the pictures, he dressed as a woman to sneak out of the parade route. Did he hop in his car and immediately drive to Madison, or did he stop at his mother's? What's the, uh, the timeline? He went to his mother's house, and it really just blended back in, so hiding in plain sight. Oh. And then uh, it's not clear with what we have from investigators thus far what motivated him to jump in his car and drive to Madison. But according to the testimony that's come out in court uh, thus far, he saw another festival there. He had another weapon with him, the second uh, the second rifle that he had purchased, and contemplating, of course, contemplated according to the, you know third party information. This is information that he gave to investigators, and this came out in court. He contemplated opening fire on that celebration as well. And for whatever reason, he came back and was picked up on 41, just uh, just about six miles away from the shooting location in Highland Park. If he doesn't drop that assault rifle, they trace it back to him, he, right. we'd still be looking for him. Uh, it seems that there was a lot of surveillance video, and he was well-known in town. You know, his dad ran for political office. He had the, uh, uh, the deli there in town. So uh, he was identified pretty quickly. So I think there were some other uh, means by which they would have figured out who it was. Okay. But uh, you had that solid link once you had the rifle. You've covered so many mass shootings over the years. How do you keep your sense of, you know, you still want to feel human and be shocked by these and not desensitized, but you also have to go home at night and not always be looking over your shoulder. Do you have any tips for balancing the grief and the rage and still living a joyful life. Well, you know, there, there, is a, there is a way as a reporter, I mean, just on a personal level, and I think uh, all reporters ultimately do this, and I think cops and firefighters do it as well. There's a way it, can, you, it, it goes into your head but not your heart, I guess is a way to put it. Uh, I, I'm not that deep, deeply disturbed all the time. I mean, there are different times, and I've covered things, and they, they've really shaken me up. You're but human. The way you can just manage it and 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 not get too worked up about it. Um, I mean, I can tell you there are times that uh, you know covering bus bombings in Israel and stuff like that. You just nobody's that tough that you can just shrug it all off. But uh, you know, frankly, in the early days of the business, it, it, frankly, you'll see a lot of people with gallows humor, where you, you you'll see people on the scene of something horrible cracking jokes. Well, that's a means of not letting it all the way in, mm-hmm. if that makes sense to you. It, it becomes difficult, however, Mike, uh, in each individual instance, not to let it in. In the case of Highland Park, uh, it finally hit me. My other job is anchoring news, and I found myself truly affected for the first time in a long time when I heard the story of the father shielding his two-year-old son. Of course, both parents were lost, now orphaned, uh, is this beautiful two-year-old little boy. That really was a gut punch Whereas before, I was able to compartmentalize those things. So I, I completely understand what you're saying. And I think in this case, at least with the mass shootings, it's kind of manifesting, at least on a personal level, just in frustration, mm-hmm. anger. Right. Why does this keep happening? And then it happens again. Right. Mike Tobin on the phone with us. He covered the mass shooting in Highland Park. Mike, you also, you also covered the war in Ukraine twice. You were there in March and then again in June. We have inflation at a 40-year high, gas prices at an all-time high, a mass shooting in Texas and Highland Park, multiple shootings across the United States. There is a war going on in Ukraine. 
you covered right. this. Tell us what's going on. Do you see an end in sight anytime soon? The short answer to that question is no. No. The way it's going right now, and the one thing I think that the people at home don't quite get right they get now, because you saw the initial invasion, and you saw the Ukrainians repel the invasion of the capital city of Kiev, and people like to think, okay, Ukraine is winning. Ukraine's not winning. Ukraine, in the second phase of the war, that is really manifested as an old-school artillery war, Ukraine is losing. Russia's doing everything it wants to do right now. Uh, they took Mariupol, they took Severodonetsk, they're taking, uh, they, they, they pretty much have control of the uh, Luhansk province, and uh, they're going to gain quickly control of the Donetsk province if they don't really have all of it now. If you remember back to the initial stages when uh, Vladimir Putin said uh, that the, uh, the neo-Nazis were oppressing the Russian speakers in the eastern part of the country, he was talking about this region that was called, that's called the Donbass, that's made up of the Luhansk and the Donetsk provinces. And Russia was going to come in and liberate these people that Putin claimed were being oppressed by the neo-Nazis. Well, Russia pretty much has control over all that real estate now. Most of your military experts say they're going to pursue uh, north up to Kharkiv, which um, uh, was, which, which was uh, at one point the capital city, but it, it's now the second largest city in Ukraine. And they'll probably head toward Odessa, west, toward the southern coast, uh, so they can control all of the seaports. Uh, you'll probably see military action, activity to that effect. But it gives Russia the ability to say, we accomplished what we wanted to accomplish. Now, they've done it with just wanton bloodshed and disregard for human life. Uh, Severodonetsk mm-hmm. in particular, uh, Zelensky said, is now a dead city. They've blown everything up. There's nothing left there. But strategically, it's important. So the Ukrainians are losing to the Russians to this point. Where it's going to go now is you know, what we often call asymmetrical warfare. What we saw in Afghanistan, Iraq, etc., the Palestinian territories, uh, we've already seen some of the car bombs, and you're going to see that kind of activity. In fact, the little old ladies in the town of Kherson came out with a bunch of pastries for the soldiers, said, well, you look hungry, gave them to the soldiers. Well, they were all poisoned. And so you're going to see that asymmetrical type of warfare. Mm-hmm. And uh, my prediction would be that we're going to see this just, just smoldering Forever. warfare go on oh, for a long time gosh. until the Russians feel that they have control, at which point, you know, they've already telegraphed the punch that they're going to come after Kiev. Is this a matter of the Ukrainians needing more people or more resources? More resources. An artillery war uh, really hinges on three things, range, accuracy, and supply. And in the initial stages, when this moved over to, uh, to an artillery war, the Russian uh, howitzers had a 25-mile range and better accuracy. And uh, the, the Ukrainians were, frankly, using old Soviet leg- legacy artillery. So the Russians had better stuff. And uh, until we, you know, we're supplying them with weapons, and, and uh, Great Britain is supplying them with weapons. But um, until they have more, the, the Russians are just going to have the upper hand. Yeah, and Mike, recently the reports that came out that the West has provided Ukraine with what is called these HIMARS systems. Uh, right. I guess they're GPS-guided. I don't, I don't know if they're missiles or what exactly they are, but that will enable the Ukrainians to get behind Russian lines as well. Just explain that quickly. The HIMARS is High Mobility Artillery Rocket System. Uh, we've also talked a lot about the MLRS, Multiple Launch Rocket System. And it's still kind of the same as, as cannon artillery, because what you do is you just blast everything in front of you, clear out the battlefield, and ideally advance your, your infantry and your armor in the scorched earth that you just laid down. 
the HIMARS would give them about 40-mile range, and they're, they're very accurate. The problem, uh, last indication from the U.S., they got four of them. So it's a very effective weapon uh, in an artillery war, but they only have four of them. And I think um, Podolyak, I believe he asked for 300 of the HIMARS systems. Oh, whoa. Wow. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. seems a bit short. Putin's in for the long haul. He's going to wear them down. That's always been his game plan. He knows he can. Right, right. And there's nothing to stop him politically. Uh, it looks like the ruble is doing well despite all of the sanctions. And uh, so he can keep pressing on with this. So if you look at what he did with Crimea, he'll take it, he'll settle it, and then he'll start to use that real estate as a, as a fortified base until he's ready to make his next move. Mike, you're the best. Thank you for your time. Mike Tobin from Fox News. Appreciate it, buddy. Thanks, guys. More of The Pete McMurray Show next.